TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome in a weekend wager here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I am your host, Mark Zeno. Thank you so much for joining me. Week 10 in the NFL. Can't believe we've gotten to this point so quick in the NFL season. But here we are, a bunch of big games on the schedule this week. And we are at a point right now where you're really separating the men from the boys, folks. And we're starting to see some, some games where really lines are telling you exactly what teams are and what they're not. So we're going to get to all of that. Of course, we will always talk to our expert professional guest here on the show this week. And we will absolutely... Finish up our show like we always do. PTSD, Parlay's Teaser Survivor Decision, Best Bet coming up for the show. We get another Best Bet right last week, and we are off and running here with Week 10 in the NFL. Of course, hit me up on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And, of course, use that hashtag, WeekendWager929. Appreciate you guys being part of the show, as always, each and every week. I remind you guys, if you want to hear about a certain game coming up in a week, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what game you want me to break down. I'll be sure to get to it uh, at some point in time in the show if we don't get to every single game as we try to each and every week. But I'll make sure if you guys have a request, I'll get to it. And speaking of getting to it, let's kick the show off, as we always do, with the Power Five. Okay. Interesting week here because I think we do have a lot of good games uh, that we can get to. And we are going to start with the biggest one of them all, in my opinion. And that is the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game in Jacksonville. One thing to monitor here, the injury report. 49ers... Looked like they're getting Debo Samuel back. He was a full participant in practice early in the week. Trent Williams didn't practice the offensive tackle, but he looks like he's trending to play. Keep that in mind as you go towards uh, the end of the week and on Sunday before you make your bet. All right. Look, three weeks ago, the 49ers looked unbeatable, right? People were talking about them having an undefeated season. What happened? They lost three games in a row. They only averaged 17 points a game. Their offense only put up 333 yards per game after putting up over 400 during the first five weeks of the season. The turnovers were the problem. In the last three weeks, they gave the ball away seven times in the last three games. Falcons fans, we know what turnovers can do, right? Like, we honestly understand how much it's going to change the game. Here is what gives me pause in this game, and that's the Jags defense. Statistically, they've been very good against the run. But with the exception of the Colts and Falcons, every other offense they've faced is in the bottom half of the league in rushing offense with the Steelers and Texans in the bottom ten. They have the third-worst pass defense in the NFL. So between the Niners' excellent run game with Christian McCaffrey, getting Debo Samuel back as a runner and a receiver, how did the Jaguars slow down a Niners offense that's had two weeks to prepare for this game? Remember, Niners come into this game, losers of three in a row, and desperately wanting a win. Especially now, they got a break last week. Seattle loses, so they're still tied atop the NFC West. Jaguars coming in, winners of five in a row, and uh, 
Are they that good? We're going to find out. But this is a big step up in class for the Jags. And when you see a team step up in class, you have to see how they perform against other times they've had to step up in class. Well, they lost to the Chiefs at home earlier this year, 17-9. I think their other real true opponent, the Buffalo Bills, they got in London with a huge advantage. The Jaguars had already played the Falcons. They were there for two consecutive weeks. They were in the back end. Their body clocks were set. Their practice times were set. Nothing was new to them for being there. Bills go in there. Hadn't been there, I think, since 2015. Jaguars took advantage and win the game. I don't want to take anything away from the Jaguars, even though I'm taking something away from the Jaguars. But still, the bottom line here is that that was a huge advantage for them. Now, the Niners' defense hasn't really been the problem in their three losses. They gave up 19 points and 22 points in the first two. They normally win games and they only give up those few points. They gave up 31 to the Bengals last week. But here's the rub in that game. They actually had 460 yards of offense against Cincinnati. The turnovers killed them, right? Two of those turnovers in the second half resulted in touchdowns for the Bengals, and they needed just five plays and 53 yards to score two touchdowns. So that tells you where the game swung. I think San Francisco also has a huge coaching edge in this game. Shanahan, the last four years, three and one straight up a bye. All three wins coming by at least three or more points. San Fran, top eight in pressure rate, hurry rate, quarterback knockdown rate, while being bottom five in blitz rate. Niners are extra motivated here to snap that three-game losing streak. You get a classic buy-low spot on the Niners, sell high on the Jags. I think the Niners are the side this week. All right, next game up on the schedule is the Los Angeles Chargers against the Detroit Lions. Detroit laying three on the road with a total of 48-and-a-half. Now, Detroit on the road is always a scary prospect because, well, they're not that good on the road. And their home road splits have been pretty bad, at least for Jared Goff. We've seen since last year and even this year, his numbers on the road are not very good. Uh, He's a completely different quarterback. We saw Los Angeles on Monday night against the New York Jets. We know they can stop the run, right? So can you beat them through the pass? Well, that's what the Lions are going to have to do here uh, and and rely on Jared Goff to have a good game on the road. I kind of think he can do it. I mean, here's the thing. How much can the Chargers offense really put up? The 27 points they scored against the Jets, a little bit misleading. Why? They got a special teams touchdown and a defensive turnover put them inside the five-yard line to start a drive. So they got two touchdowns off of non-offensive things that happen, right? And I I think that's something you could take into effect. Other than playing the Bears, they only scored 17 against KC. They scored 17 against Dallas, only scored 24 against the Raiders. This is supposed to be one of the better offenses in the league, and they haven't really put it all together over the last couple of weeks. Now, is the Bears' offense as bad as the Chargers? Uh, Bears' defense, rather, as bad as the Chargers? Maybe. At least the pass defense is. So the Lions, you know, um, uh, the Lions' defense, I should say, as bad as the Bears. The pass defense is maybe the same. The Chargers can take advantage. I think they can. Look, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm not 100% comfortable laying points on the road here with Detroit. And you get it right at three. You get the key number. A two and a half, I could see a buy spot on the Lions. But at three, I'm a little bit more reserved on the whole thing. Look at that total of 48 and a half, 48 a key number right over it. Points are probably scored in this game. Um, You know, the Lions defense hasn't been great. Uh, We talk about their last couple of games, and they're coming off a bye as well. They were on a bye last week. So they've had two weeks to prepare for this. But they only scored 26 against the Raiders at home in in that uh, was a Monday night or Sunday night game. But... They got blown up by the Ravens 38-6. They only scored 20 against Tampa Bay. Their last real good offensive game was against Carolina back on October 8th where they put up 42. So I think points can be scored here in this game. I'd probably lean on the over as much of a square play as it is. 
with two good offenses, you take it over. That total seems a little bit lower, so I think this thing would be closer to 50. But we'll see how the game shakes out. Again, if you get to two and a half, I could see a, a, a considerable buy spot on the Lions. Speaking of buying high and buying low and everything else, let's go to Cincinnati, where the Bengals are hosting the Houston Texans. Cincinnati laying a decent number here. Uh, they're laying six and a half and a total of 47. Now, you look at the Bengals and you try to figure out who they are really. And this is a team that five weeks ago got pasted by Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans led by Ryan Tannehill. They got pasted by him 27-3. They barely beat Seattle 17-13. Yet the last two weeks they've beaten San Fran. We just talked about that with the turnovers that they got. And they beat Buffalo on Sunday night 24-18. Um, the Texans return to form. After losing that game to Carolina, which was a complete head-scratcher, their offense and C.J. Stroud looked amazing. They scored 39 points. A little bit concerning, they gave up 37 to a Tampa offense that I don't think is very good. So that could be a spot here where the Bengals could take advantage. Here's a big thing, though. Jamar Chase is questionable for the Bengals. If he's out, and I don't know how much, that may move the line a point. But I would tell you, I don't think Jamar Chase is playing in this game. I think the Bengals, if they learned anything from the first couple of weeks of the season, don't rush back important players with injury. That's why Joe Burrow was so terrible at the beginning part of this year. Guy was clearly hurt. Shouldn't have been in the first couple of weeks. They forced him back, and look what happened. They started out really bad. Now they're back at 5-3 and three and a game and a half out of first place in a division where the other three teams are 5-3 and three other than the Ravens who are 7-2. So uh, these are important games all across the board. And Houston uh, needed to win a... AFC game because the first games that they lost were all against their division, all in the AFC. So they need, they won an AFC game last week. They needed to win another one here. Tiebreaker is going to come into play down the road. I think the Bengals will be motivated, but still, this is a bigger number. My my numbers say this is three and a half. So I think we get like three points of field goal value on the Texans. That is huge. Um, and CJ Stroud again after last week playing at home against Tampa Bay. How will he bounce back on the road? He hasn't been great on the, the numbers. Haven't been great on the road. I mean, you know, again, only 19 points against Atlanta, only 13 against Carolina. The one real road test that they 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 played really well was against Jacksonville, right? They only scored nine against the Ravens, so that's the only time this year they scored more than 20 on the road um, was against Jacksonville, and I, I think that was a buy low spot on Jacksonville or a buy low spot on the Texans and a sell high on on the Jaguars. So I'm not sure which Cincinnati team shows up. I'm going to take the points here with the Texans just because I think it's too many. I think the Bengals probably win the game, but I can't get behind laying six and a half with Cincinnati. I'm just not 100% sold on who they are yet. It is absolutely conceivable Cincinnati can come out and win this game by margin, win by 10 points. I don't think that's completely impossible at all. Um, Some of that would include Houston turning the ball over. If C.J. Stroud protects the football, takes care of the football, I think his team is in a good position to win this game. Speaking of the AFC North, Let's get to the AFC North battle and a big one between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore laying six here, a total of 38 and a half. Now, the first thing that jumped off the page to me when I looked at this game more than anything was the simple fact that the Ravens were laying six to a division opponent. Again, I just told you, every other team in the division other than the Ravens is five and three, and the Ravens are seven and two. This is also a Ravens team that dropped a game to the Colts for crying out loud. So um, they also lost to a Steelers team that is completely inept offensively. I think it's a little bit much on the point side. But the other thing about this game that jumps out is when you're laying six, you got a low total of 38. 38 is one of the lower totals you'll see in the NFL, guys. You don't see many totals get below 38 as a key number, a key total. Remember, you know, 38 is, is you know, uh, 21 to 17. 
28 to 10. You know, these are, are, are number scores you see pop up often, which is why 38 ends up being a key number. You know, 24-14 kind of games. So when you get a total this low, to be laying a lot, to be laying six is a lot. The hard part here for me is to trust Deshaun Watson. I have no idea who that dude is at quarterback anymore. I just, from week to week, I can't figure out if he's going to be absolute dog poo or he's going to actually be effective. Last week, he was pretty effective against Arizona. 19-30, 219 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Against Tennessee, he looked really good, right? Uh, 27-33, 289 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But there are other games, complete head scratchers, man. Looked bad against Pittsburgh. Uh, he was just 22 of 40 for 235 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Didn't look great against Cincinnati all the way back, and I think it was week three, 16 to 29, just 55% completion percentage, touchdown and a pick. Like, you know, I'm not sure which quarterback shows up week in and week out, so that's hard. But I think you have to rely on the Browns' defense here more than anything. You have to rely on the fact that the Browns, as a defense, are going to be able to control the game here. Ravens have a really good defense as well. Can either team run the ball? That's the real question in this game. These are both really good run defenses. Um, can the Browns contain Lamar Jackson on the ground? Jackson is not having a great year statistically, but God, when you watch the Ravens, he looks super efficient. And I mean super, super efficient. And talk about a guy who we all banged on for, uh, for you know, uh, completion percentage and, and accuracies, completing 71% of his passes this year. Only nine touchdowns passing. Three interceptions, but you look at his rushing numbers, well, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, and he's not exactly running for a lot of touchdowns, but he doesn't have to do much because this Ravens defense is really doing everything that they need to do uh, to keep their team in games. So even if the offense isn't performing at a high level, even if they're dropping passes, which has been a problem for the Ravens who are top 10 in drops this year, um, you know, this is 100% a game here, I think, that is paced by defense. Why fight it? I'd probably take the under. And think this is really like a 17-13 kind of game when it's all said and done. Uh, a lot of field goals. You know, I, I think that's the way this goes. You know, you'll get turnovers on both sides, I think. I wouldn't lay the six and a half. It's Browns or pass for me, probably with the under. The under usually leans towards the dog. Again, small total, big number. Browns or the under is probably the side and the way I'd play this one. Final game here in the Power Five. And we're going to go out west to Seattle as the Commanders and the Seahawks will link up for a 425 kick. In this game, Seattle laying another touchdown. Six, six and a half point spread with a total of 45, a much higher total. Now, watch out for the weather, guys. Uh, you're going to have to look closely to see what weather looks like at kickoff. I don't think this is a game you can bet early by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and I say that because, look, if it's raining and it's wet, um, you know, it's going to change the dynamics of the game completely. Remember a couple of weeks ago, in Denver, it was Denver and KC, and we thought there was going to be snow all over the field. They took pregame pictures of snow in the morning out in Denver. And by the time the game kicked off, it looked like it, it was a beautiful fall day. Like, I know it was cold, but, you know, it, the weather didn't really play a factor. So you're going to have to take a look at that and see what rain looks like in the forecast because it's going to change things. Washington is another team that, you know, you got to wonder about, right? I mean, they steal a game from Atlanta on the road, as we remember here in Atlanta very badly. Um, but they lose 14-7 to the Giants. They've hung with the Commanders twice, and then they barely beat the New England Patriots. Uh, and they needed a Mac Jones interception to seal that victory. Seahawks, on the other hand, have lost to teams from the AFC North and the Bengals and the uh, and 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 the Ravens. Uh, but somehow they beat the Browns. And again, that was PJ Walker in that game. So um, Seattle's another tough team to figure out. 
And I don't necessarily trust Reno Smith, although I think he's very good for all that concern. But again, this boils down to um, can the commanders protect Sam Howell? Because Seattle as a team, you know, when you look at them defensively, even though they might not impress you, this is still a team that, you know, I I think defensively um, is very aggressive. And they know how to get after the quarterback. They know how to how to make life heck for make life what heck make life hell for quarterbacks uh, defensively. You know, and this is a team um, that is still in the top ten in the league in sacks this year, twenty seven. So they have the fifth most sacks in the year, thirty one, thirty five, thirty. Yeah, the fifth most sacks of any team in the league this year. They have as many sacks as the Browns do. So what does that tell you? Now they give up a lot of passing yards, but they, they're kind of like a a risk reward kind of deal. You know, they're willing to go after the quarterback and, and try to make things happen. They allow 66% completion percentage, but, you know, they're opportunistic, right? And that's how, that's how they build their bones on defense. So can the commanders protect Sam Howell? Um, you know, I, I, I don't think they will be able to. And if they can create some defensive turnovers and some short fields, they can easily cover this number. I mean, Seattle's a tough place to play, and it is a very good home field advantage. How will Sam Howell adjust to that? Not 100% sure yet, but what I do know is that if Sam Howell protects the football, Washington is much more likely to stay in games and keep it close. That's honestly what it boils down to, and turnovers are really hard to figure out, but when you look at Sam Howell and the nine interceptions he's had this year, and you look at the games where he's turned the ball over, it doesn't bode well. Four interceptions against, uh, I'm sorry, four, uh, one interception against Philly, they lose it. Interception against the Giants, they lose it. Interception against Chicago, they lose it. I think he had two turnovers, a fumble and an interception in the opener against Arizona. Right? Um, he had four interceptions against Buffalo. They get blown out in that game. On the flip side, no interceptions against Denver, they win. No interceptions the first game at Philly at home, they push him to overtime game, they should have won. No interceptions against the Falcons, they win that game. So it's really, you know, boils down to whether or not Howell can take care of the football. And that's not a proposition that I want to bet into or bet against. It's probably going to be a pass game for me. Um, The total is a little bit interesting here at 45 and a half because these aren't really two defenses, I think, in general that are all that great, uh, particularly against the pass. And that's really what what kind of gives me a little bit of, of cause for concern. Washington is sixth worst in pass defense in the NFL. Seattle, I think, is like 12th. Um, a lot of yards can be had through the air on both these teams. And that, to me, brings in a ton of variance that I can't necessarily account for. Do extra dropbacks lead to interceptions? I mean, I, I can say this simply, and it's very elementary and academic to say, but whoever has fewer turnovers is, is probably going to win the game. Yeah, we know that. But how do you account for the turnovers? That's the real hard part. Um game I'll probably pass on overall. I think he might be able to interest me in an over, um, but I would probably take a first half over because if they ain't scoring early, they might not be scoring late, so that'll be the hard part to figure out. And that's the Power Five. All right. Um, Very, very interesting week. A lot to get to here. As you can see with a lot of these six-point spreads, we're getting into tease territory. We'll get to that coming up later on in the show. Of course, when we get back, we'll talk to our guest from Wager Talk as well. We'll have the Falcons breakdown of their matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. That's all coming up next. It's Weekend Wager here on Sports Radio, 929 The Game, 929thegame.com, and the Odyssey app. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Weekend Wager here on Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929 thegamecom and the Odyssey app on Twitter at Mark Zeno, M A R K Z I N N O. Of course, use the hashtag Weekend Wager 929. We have a lot to do here on the show. Still appreciate you guys joining me each and every week. Hope you guys are really enjoying the show and getting some information out of this. I know uh, betting is not legal here in Georgia, but I'm sure you guys, if you're smart, you find a way to do it. Uh, it's not really all that hard one way or another. But regardless, uh, you know, I, I said it say I hope you're getting a lot of use out of this information and it's helping you guys make better wagers, smarter bets across the board. Hit me up on Twitter if you guys have any questions. Again, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. All right, let's get to the Falcons here uh, as they take on the Arizona Cardinals at 4 o'clock on Sunday. And again, I'll be on the Falcons pregame this weekend as well. If you guys want to uh, listen to the Wade Ford Tailgate Show, I'll be there with Joe Patrick. So tune into that on Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon rather, because it is a 4 o'clock game. So we will see you there. Falcons opened up this this game as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, when Kyler Murray was announced as the starter, money came in on the Cardinals and brought this thing down to a pick Even the Cardinals favored by one in certain shops. Now it's back to the Falcons being a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, when stuff like that happens, it always kind of scares me away from a game. I don't like the volatility in the line. I don't like the, the quick line movement. Um, you know, and because what it says is that there was a group of sharp people or a group of you know really advanced betters who said, okay, well, Kyler Murray's back. We're going to take the Cardinals. They're going to have a huge edge. And then when the line moved again, sharp uh, another group of sharp betters turned around and said, nope, nope, Falcons had to pick them. Falcons plus one is a don't. Let's take them. That Falcons are going to win this game outright. So uh, it, it creates a level of variance that I'm not comfortable with. That said, speaking of variance, Kyler Murray is now under center. It's not Clayton Toon. Uh, who was terrible last week, by the way. That's not an NFL quarterback. That said, I have no idea what Kyler Murray is. None of us do. Nobody knows what Kyler Murray is going to play like. He's under a new head coach, a new system, how much he's practiced, what does he know. I, I, don't, I don't know the answers to any of these things. I, I have no idea what it's going to be like. Uh, and that is tough for me to figure out. That is a hard thing for any of us to figure out, just simply because he could perform great or he could be really rusty. He can come back out and just run all over the field like we saw Josh Dobbs do last week. Or, you know, he can just not have timing with receivers and throw interceptions when he's facing a legitimate pass rush and guys who are trying to get after him. Falcons defense is the better of the two, obviously, and they should be able to, you know, um, create some havoc. Uh, I talked to you guys religiously about the Falcons' pressure rate, their hurry rate, their quarterback knockdown rate, you know, tops in the league. So... You know, will do they over pursue? Does does Kyler Murray get? I, I don't I don't know the answers to any of these things. Is Kyler Murray even going to run that much? Right? I mean, he's coming off a, a leg injury, so it's not like you know this is this is a a thing where we 100 percent know that he's just going to be let loose and run. Um, so I think that's hard to figure out. I'll add one more thing here, and and this isn't betting related, but I I kind of had to address this just because I've been listening to Atlanta Talk Sports Talk Radio all week long, and it just makes me want to throw up. The narratives that are out there from people who just really don't have an idea of, of what they're talking about uh, and people who don't go to Arthur Smith's press conferences and don't talk to him and uh, you know face-to-face to understand who he is and what he's about and don't talk to him off the record like I do, uh, I think they're making a lot of suppositions about him. I'll say this before and I'll say it, I've said it again. I said it before and I'll say it again. He's not coaching for his job. He's not on the hot seat. Any fans who think that he should be fired, you're being silly. You're being flat-out silly. In reality, this team is two turnovers or two touchdowns away from being 6-3 and three instead of 4-5. and five. It's that simple. And the optics look completely different. 
Forget the loss last week to to Minnesota. Is it a game you should have won? Probably, yeah. Uh, if you could tackle Josh Dobbs, you had him twice behind the line of scrimmage. I think they got three third and longs and a fourth and long that, that kept Minnesota in that game. If they could have just tackled him behind the line of scrimmage, guess what? The Falcons win that game. But beyond that, just go back to when Desmond Ritter was starting. Two times he doesn't fumble, and two more touchdowns they get in the red zone, guess what? They're 6-3. and three. Now you can say, you know, they're not 6-3. and three. They, they, they didn't have it. You're right, it didn't. And they are 4-5. and five. Uh, Your average record says you are. Blah, whatever. This is a better than a 4-5 and five team. I'm not a Falcons homer. You guys know that. Not a Falcons fan. I'm just calling it objectively. And I'm a little bit tired, frankly, of hearing everybody um, speak about this team just incorrectly. This offense is still putting up nearly 400 yards per game. That's not luck. That's a good offense. Do you have to turn those yards into points? Yes, of course you do. Is that on coaching? To a certain extent, yeah, but it's also on the players. Not every player Arthur Smith calls is a bad play. Is it executed poorly? Yeah. Now, would I hand it to Johnny Smith on a jet sweep at the goal line? No, I wouldn't. But that said, that doesn't mean it was a bad play call, uh, and it wouldn't have worked if Kyle Pitts could block. Of course Kyle Pitts could block. Well, I mean, we assume he could have, but if he could have blocked Danell Hunter, Johnny walks right into the end zone, basically untouched. I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of things when it goes wrong that extend beyond coaching that you have to acknowledge. And I don't think Arthur Smith is doing a bad job of putting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. I genuinely don't. You guys can complain about that in the red zone, and the red zone needs to be fixed, and the turnovers need to be fixed. But at the end of the day, this is still a team that is playing as good as you all should have expected them to play all year long. Nobody thought this was a 12-5 and team. Nobody thought it was an 11-6 and team. We mostly thought, at best, 10-7 and or 9-8. and They're trending in that direction, folks. It's a long season. It's not always pretty. So you got to learn to live with some of this stuff. You genuinely do. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, the Falcons get a win this week. They're 5-5 five and five at the bye. And if uh, I would have told a lot of you guys they would be 5-5 five and five after the bye with seven left to play and a chance at worst, you know, just to be a game out of first place in the division, everybody would have said, we'll take it. Because you should have taken it. That's what this team is right now. They should be better record-wise. They're not. I get it. And I understand the frustration. I'm not telling you don't be frustrated. But calling for the head coach's job at this point is silly. It's just flat-out silly. It's not all on him. And the idea that you look at this roster and think it's, like, special, they have names. They have high draft picks. I get it. But this is not a roster that wows anybody. One through 52, it's not a roster that wows people. And it shouldn't. And oh, by the way, if you don't have an offensive line and you don't have the quarterback settled, your offense is always going to be questionable at best. That's the reality of what this team is facing. That's the reality of what shows up every week. Fix the O-line, find the quarterback. And I don't know if Desmond Ritter is not the guy yet. He doesn't feel like it at this point. We would have to see something completely different from what we've seen. I know Taylor Heineke is not the guy. I 100% know Taylor Heineke is not the guy. Because if he was the guy, he'd be starting somewhere. Period. He would have been called this offseason to be a starter in the NFL. He wasn't. There's a specific reason for that because he's not an NFL starter. He's not one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league. End of discussion. Don't think of it any more than that. That's the bottom line. So think what you want about this team, guys. But you, you have to put it in context, and you have to put it in the right context uh, as, as this season goes on. Still got two games left at New Orleans. You sort of control your own destiny to a certain extent. You know, you haven't lost the division game yet. The hell are you complaining about?
the hell are you complaining about? Honestly. Like, get right, fans. Get right. You need to. Because this is not as bad as you want it to be, and the coaching is as bad as you want it to be. Okay. Joining us now, as he often does, one of our regulars here on Weekend Wager. Brian Power of Wager Talk joins us here on Weekend Wager Sports Radio 99 The Game. And Brian is here because, well, he's one of the best in the biz. He's a, he's a, he's a wonderful human being. And you guys can't see him, but he's a dashingly good-looking. So I welcome him into the show. Brian, thank you so much for being here, as always. Uh, face for radio, what can I say, Mark? Uh, so, I am so, here. So many thank of you us. for having me back. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. All right, three games from you, including a best bet. We're going to start uh, with the Texans and the Cincinnati Bengals here. Um, you know, I talked about this game earlier. Felt like I made this number about three and a half. I uh, feel like the number's a little bit high, but I'm still struggling to figure out what Cincinnati is. What do you say? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that your number comes in a lot lower than what the odds makers had. Same here, and conceptually, I just want to talk about something. Uh, I'm going to go talk about a college game from a few weeks ago, which may seem weird since we're talking NFL, but just bear with me here and I'll get to the point. UCLA played Washington State a few weeks ago, and I was on uh, the Wage Talk YouTube channel talking about that game. And really, there wasn't a lot to hang your hat on when it came to taking USC in that game, who was an unranked home favorite, uh, you know, hosting Washington State, who at the time had had a couple impressive wins. They beat Oregon State. They beat Wisconsin. And I had said when I was breaking that game down that, for me, that game was a line-in-the-sand game with me. I was basically saying, okay, look, this is the last time I do this. My numbers say Washington State isn't this good, and I'm fading them. And if I'm wrong, I guess I'm wrong, and we'll, and we'll figure it out again. Well, all right, let's go to the NFL now. That's where I'm at with Cincinnati this week, Mark, because two weeks ago, I thought that it was crazy. They were only plus four against San Francisco or whatever they closed. It was something they closed around there. It was very light. I, I wound up teasing them, uh, as a matter of fact, and, and it didn't matter. They went out right. Last week, I thought the line was – I didn't think they deserved to be favored against the Bills, I did, and they won again. So maybe the third time's a charm because, like you, I don't think they deserve to be favored uh, by this number against Houston. We started to see some money come in on Houston. I believe the line was down to six and a half. Uh, as of Thursday evening, and I agree with that line move. What can you say about C.J. Stroud, Mark? This guy is absolutely ridiculous, leading his team to that win last week against Tampa Bay. We're talking 14 passing touchdowns, more than 2,200 yards passing. Only the third quarterback to do that in his first eight starts, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, were the other two. Those guys uh, are pretty good, by wondering. the way. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, okay? I have. There are some concerns if you want to play the Texans. One is their offense, as great as it looked last week and as great as Stroud was, has been pretty boom or bust, right? They have, I believe, three games of 30-plus, but in all the other ones, they don't crack 20, okay? And Cincinnati's defense has been good, and I think the thing with Cincinnati, you said, I don't know what this team is yet right now. And the problem is they were pretty bad for the first six weeks, and they've been pretty outstanding for the last two so we have to ask ourselves as handicappers, are we just throwing out those first six weeks or what? Uh, you look at their body of work, and the metrics just suggest that this line is too big. This is the Bengals team still being outgained by 1.2 yards per play. That is second worst in the NFL. So, again, it's owed to the real stinkers they had early in the year against the Browns and the Titans. I just think the Texans can trade points here. 
Uh, this is a team that is better as an underdog than a favorite. So I'm going to take the points here with Houston. This is actually my best bet for the show. Uh, we'll lead off with that. But uh, I like Texans plus six and a half, plus seven if you can get it. Yeah, again, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I, I do have a little bit of hesitancy on it just because of the variance that Cincinnati brings to the table. Um but overall, I'm with you. I, I think the Texans are the right side here. And, and, you know, I would also look at the over in this game. I think points are going to be scored. I, I don't think I'm seeing a defensive battle shaping up here uh, on either side of the ball. But, um, it, you know, mm-hmm. and when you get to over games, obviously more scoring brings in more variance. So there's a little bit of trepidation for me, but I, I'm with you overall uh, on the side there. I think the Texans, again, are the right side. <laughs> Yeah, and, and let me bring up just a couple extra points here because uh, I got rolling and then didn't have my numbers right in front of me. The Texans are two missed field goals, both on the final play, away from being on a six, you know, win streak coming yeah. into this game. Yes, very true. Yeah, yeah remember I mean, they lost. To as Carolina, I'm sure everyone yep. knows against Atlanta and then Carolina. Right. And uh, I mentioned they're better as a dog than as a favorite. Well, the numbers bear that out. That's just not me pulling that out of thin air this season as an underdog, Houston. Four and one ATS, three outright victories. So uh, I like them in this role. I like them getting this many points. I think these teams are actually pretty even. Brian Power of Wager Talk joining us here on Weekend Wager Sports Radio 929. The game on to our second game, Green Bay and Pittsburgh. Uh, now, for those who follow you, and if you guys want to follow Brian on Twitter, he's at Brian Power underscore wins. Uh, you may know his disdain for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that somehow is five and three and has been outgained in every single game they've played this year. They are laying three points at home to Jordan Love and a bad Packers offense. They are. And look, I was on this show two weeks ago. I said to fade the Steelers. That wound up being correct. They lost 20 to 10 to the Jaguars that week. And you brought it up just a moment ago. Uh, At the time, I made a big deal that the Steelers were one of only two teams in the league at that point that had been outgained in all six games. Well, guess what? Uh, They've now put it. Yeah, it's (laughs) still them and the Cardinals have been outgained in every game, which is insane that they're five and three. You know, I don't. I would hate to invoke the name Tim Tebow here on this very fine radio show, but Kenny Pickett, I feel, is the closest we've had to that Tim Tebow voodoo of the one season. This guy is so bad for three quarters. He can't get the ball downfield at all. And then inexplicably, he will have one good drive in the fourth quarter where the Steelers take the lead and win the game. It's crazy. I, I don't know how to explain it. And you talk about the Steers being outgained in each of their first eight games this season. Second year in a row that happened. It was the same thing last year, Mark. I, I could not believe that. That just blew me away when I saw that. Now, you mentioned Green Bay and their offense uh, has not been very good. Obviously, they are averaging more points than Pittsburgh, though. 20 points per game for the Packers, 16.6 for the Steelers. The Steelers, similar to the Bengals, where their overall statistical profile, the things you look at, yards per play differential, point differential, they all indicate a a subpar team. Now, Green Bay had a favorable spot last week to get back on track. They beat uh, the Brett Rippon-led Rams 20-3. to Okay, and something that's very, very interesting with the Packers, I think I mentioned this to you last week in our many discussions. Green Bay is a team that gets off to slow starts. Yes, uh, guess how many points per game they average in the first half? Oh, I want to say about season. eight or nine, ten maybe. How about four and a half? Oh, geez, that's terrible. And that number is up after last week. It was at four last week. They, they went into last 
week's game with the Rams, averaging two points per game at home at Lambeau. Now, admittedly, it was a small sample size, but that's the same. Pittsburgh, okay, they averaged 6.9 points per game in the first half. So these two teams combined are averaging 11.4 points in the first half this season. I think you need to look at two things here. Uh, I would take the points with the Packers. I think these teams, I have the Packers rated as the better team, believe it or not. Uh, I know Steelers fans don't want to hear that. They want to wave their terrible towels in my face and tell me they just know how to win. Fine, okay, I'll um, I'll deal with that. I think Green Bay plus the points is how you should play the side. I think you should also take the first half under, given those numbers I just laid out. These are two slow starting teams, and I, I'm willing to bet that's going to happen again. And I'll take my three, three and a half with Green Bay towards the end, because as you know, Mark, Pittsburgh Steelers do not win by margin, even when they do win. If it dropped to two and a half, I would tease the Packers, by the way. Yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, again, and I'll talk about that coming up in PTSD here. Um, You know, the the Packers, even even at three, uh, I I still think it's not a bad option just because the Steelers are are not going to win a game by by margin, right? Uh, Their offense just isn't equipped for it. Again, Brian Power, Wager Talk, joining us here, Weekend Wager Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Go ahead, BP. And I think I mentioned the stat that I was when I was on last time. Going back to 2021, the Pittsburgh Steelers have three wins by more than eight points. Dear Lord. And two of them were against Browns teams that were either resting starters or were completely banged up and dead at the end of the season. Other than that, they have one win by more than one possession. So the Steelers are not a team typically you want to play. I know they covered against Thursday. I teased the Titans. That was a smart play to do. Uh, obviously, the t- with the T's, the Titans uh, cash. But, um, yeah, I, the Steelers are not a team built to win by margin. All right, final game here. Uh, Giants and Cowboys. Cowboys winning the biggest number of the week, 17 and a half here. Uh, got about 90 seconds left here, BP. Where are you going? Uh, look, one of the biggest spreads uh, you'll see uh, probably we'll see all season. But believe it or not, I, I don't know how you can put The New York Giants in a year where quarterback play is at an all-time nadir. Led by Tommy DeVito, this could be the worst team we've seen uh, since I don't know when. Uh, The Giants are unplayable. I just wanted to bring this game up because I'm an underdog guy, and even I could not talk myself into Tommy DeVito. How is this team going to move the ball? Dallas is mad. They've got a great defense off the loss to Philly. They beat them 40 to nothing in week one. I think the Cowboys named the score here, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I I would attack this first half, right? Just get it down to to a single digit uh, and and – you know the Cowboys should spread out to a twenty-one to three lead without breaking a sweat. I mean, honestly, like that—that's kind of just the way I see it going down. So uh, I'll cut this game in half just to eliminate some of the variance. I mean, you know, it, does it mean that if the Giants somehow score a first quarter touchdown, I'm screwed? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's you know, kind of kind of the gamble that you're taking here. But uh, I, I don't disagree. This is not a actual legitimate real football team. This might be one of the all-time lows as a Giants fan I've experienced in my lifetime, and uh, I've experienced a few. <laughs> And, and and it's right now. And think about that statement for a second. Yeah, uh, and this is a team with uh, with 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 four Super Bowls, so there there is that. Um, and again, Texans your best bet plus six and a half. Find a seven, go get it. Brian Power of Wager Talk. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Power underscore wins. Go to wagertalk.com. Check out all of his work there as well. BP, appreciate the time as always, brother. Thank you. Love it, Mark. All right, we'll wrap things up next here. It's weekend wager sports radio ninety two nine the game ninety two nine the game dot com and the Odyssey app. We'll be right back. Final segment of Weekend Wager here on Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929thegame.com, and that Odyssey app on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M A R K Z I N N O. Of course, use that hashtag Weekend Wager 929. 
All right, uh, that time of the show, PTSD, Parlays, Teasers, Survivor, and Decision, our best bet for Week 10 in the NFL. Let's take a look at some parlays here. Again, that money line parlay, all we want to do is get two teams that have uh, big money line par- big money line prices and get them down to uh, something that gets us close to even money or even plus money. Now, the hard part here is that a lot of these six-point spreads are going to be really hard to get to even money. So and that that's going to you know make it really difficult for you to find a, a team to pair with. So you you may have to take a flyer on some of these three point games or these tightest spreads. Like for example, you know if you want to take the Cincinnati Bengals against uh, the Houston Texans, they're at minus three hundred. And then you look at another six point spread. Let's say you want to take Seattle, they're also at minus three hundred. That together is going to get you to minus one twenty nine. So you're still playing like a buck and a quarter or a buck thirty just to win a dollar back. So that's not ideal, right? That's, that's not 100% the situation you want to be in. And I don't know that you're really going to get a favorable spot here. Now, um, you may have to look at some of these field goal spreads. Do you trust the Steelers at home to beat the Packers? Well, you lay the three there. Maybe you want to take the three on the road uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Steelers minus 176, San Fran minus 164. They get you to plus 152. That's, you know, again, those are good numbers to work in your favor. Don't know 100% if you want to trust San Fran on the road. That's tough. Um, You know, again, I I don't know really many other situations. The Chargers are getting three. I mean, you could roll the dice and take one of these, um, one of these, these, you know, home dogs that they would win outright, like the Chargers, right, who are a home dog, or the Jaguars, or the Vikings who are a home dog. Chargers and Vikings get you four to one. Chargers plus 126, Vikings plus 122, pays out plus 401. So you'll get $4 back for laying down one. Hard part there is that, again, you got to get two home dogs to win. Um, I, I think that's really, really the tough part. Do you think the Jaguars can win? If you take the Jaguars and the Chargers, you get plus 437. So it's a real tough week for parlays here. Um, nothing really stands out at me. However, um, teasers look really, really favorable in that sense. I think one of the easiest teasers you could do is take Buffalo down from 7 to minus 1. I think that's always favorable. And then you want to look to try to get through two key numbers here. So I don't love the Titans um, against Tampa Bay in this spot, but they would be from 1.5 to 7.5. I think that works. Um, do you t- like the Patriots at home from 1.5, plus 1.5 to plus 7.5? Maybe. I think your best bet, guys, honestly, is to take two of these six-point spreads or take the Bills and, say, put them with a team like Cincinnati from six and a half down to a, basically a pick or minus a half, which is a pick em. Um And you go out, you go out that way. Um, or you take Seattle and Buffalo. Or, or even to a certain extent, you take Cincinnati and Seattle and take them down to, you know, both pick and try to get the right side. Um, I mean... I don't know if I'd want to take the Cardinals plus one and a half again. Too much variance for me in that game, more than anything. I would say this much, and I don't think it's a terrible idea. Even though you're really not getting off a key number or getting through a key number because of the key number of three with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers, but the Packers plus nine seems like a good teaser out. Did the Pittsburgh Steelers look like they can beat anybody by two scores at this point? I mean, this is a team that has been outgained in every single game they play this year. So, you know, why do you focus so much on yards? Because it's an important statistic in telling who's going to win a game. That's really what it boils down to. I mean, Pittsburgh this year, let me care. I don't think they've beaten anybody by two scores. No, they have not. They won by four, seven, seven, uh, five, and four. So that may be the best thing you can do 
is take you use the, the Packers as one of your teaser legs uh, just to get them up to plus nine. I think that's really it. Uh, I would also challenge you that maybe Minnesota plus nine might not be bad either. I think the Saints are, are, are probably a little bit of the better team, especially now, obviously, with Kirk Cousins out. Josh Dobbs, one more week. What does that mean for him? I don't necessarily know um, if he's going to be any better, but the Saints are another team that, you know, other than beating up the Patriots, doesn't really beat anybody by margin. They won by seven. They won by 11 against Indianapolis. That's Indianapolis, though. Um, They won by three against Carolina and one against Tennessee. Um, Are the Vikings better than Indianapolis? Yeah, I think they are. Other than that, they've lost all the four games. So the only team that they've really beaten by margin here is, uh, is, is New England. And if you go back to the Indianapolis game, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they had a late garbage touchdown. Um, yeah, they had a late field goal, too, with 24 seconds left to make it an 11-point game. So that was an 8-point game with 20 seconds left. Uh, so that tells you all you need to know right there that the Saints are not good at beating people by margin. I think that's another viable spot for you to look at when it comes to um, teasers. Maybe you just take the Vikings and the Packers and put them over the hump because guess what? The Saints and the, and the Steelers are not good offenses, period, especially on the road. Um, you know, they, they just don't perform well. And I'm just looking at 20 against Carolina, uh, 17 against Green Bay, and at 34 against New England, but only 13 against Houston. And they scored 38 last week against Indianapolis. But this is a Saints team at home that could only beat the Bears by seven. And that let Tyson Badgett go up and down the field on them and, and had to sweat that game out. I had the Saints in the tees last week, had to sweat that game out because of how bad they were. So. You know, not very much a, a favorable scenario here for the Saints to cover that game by margin. So I think those are some of your better teaser options. Any of the six-point teams, obviously the Bills getting through through uh, seven, getting off seven and, and through three as well uh, at seven and a half down to one and a half. I think that's probably one you can look at. So combination of all those um, with Buffalo would work. Okay, now time for a decision. Best bet of the show. Uh, I broke this game down in the Power Five. And I'll do it again in case you missed it and you're just tuning in. But uh, I'm going to take the 49ers here. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to lay the three points. I'm actually going to take them on the money line. They're priced around minus 160, uh, somewhere in that range. Uh, I'm willing to pay the extra juice here just to take a little bit of the variance out of play that if the 49ers offense isn't clicking on all cylinders and if the Jaguars run defense plays up to snuff, that San Fran is settling for field goals and not scoring touchdowns, that, you know, if you get three or four field goals, all of a sudden you're off key numbers, right? If you get to, like, you know, nine points of field goals, you're going to get off of 14 to 23. You're going to get off of, of 17 to 26, you know, um, and, and you're not in these, these key number spots anymore uh, where three becomes an issue because, you know, you could win a game by two, 26-24. I just talked about three field goals, right? So um, that's, you know, something I think is very much in play. But let's go back to it. 49ers looked unbeatable. First five games, 33 points a game, over 400 yards of offense. Last three weeks, 17 points a game, just 333 yards per game and seven turnovers. They got to hold on to the football. I think they will. Debo Samuel, like I said, full practice uh, early in the week. Monitor that all the way up to game time. Trent Williams may be coming back. I don't trust the Jaguars' run defense. I don't know that it's that great. I think you give the Niners two weeks to prepare for an opponent here that, to me, is uh, – 
one that's probably as good as they're going to be at this point in time. Jaguars have won five in a row. I think with the Niners losing three in a row, it's a classic buy low spot on San Francisco and sell high on the Jaguars who have won five in a row. They've also had the benefit of playing some really bad teams over the last five games Jacksonville has. It's not like they've beaten up other than beating Buffalo. It's not like they've beaten really good teams. And again, the Buffalo game, they won in London. They played the Falcons, the Colts, the Saints, and the Steelers. I told you how bad the Saints and the Steelers' offenses are. We know about Atlanta's offense. It's not like they've had to really be challenged by anybody. Both of the times they stepped up in class, they have not performed well. They lost to the Chiefs earlier. year. Remember, this is a, Jags, a Jaguars team that at home got smoked by the Houston Texans with a rookie quarterback. Brock Purdy is back to normal. Let's hope he plays well. But we're going to take the San Francisco 49ers here on the money line and pay the juice. San Francisco gets out of there with a win. They snap their three-game losing streak, and that's all she wrote, and the Jaguars come back down to earth. All right, that'll do it here for Weekend Wager. Again, as always, hit me up throughout the week. Use that hashtag on Twitter, WeekendWager929. Let me know what games you want to hear. Let me know what thoughts you have on any games that are out there. I'll always respond to you guys. Appreciate you listening as always. And, hey, do me a favor. Show a little bit more love to the Falcons this week, all right? It's bad, but it ain't that bad. It's not as bad as you guys want it to be. Trust me when I tell you. And it's going to get better. I got a lot of faith in this team and in this coach. All right, again, that'll do it for Weekend Wager. Appreciate you guys watching and listening. At Mark Zeno on Twitter, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And as always, wishing you guys the very best of luck this weekend with your bets. Go cash some tickets. We'll be back next week for another edition of Weekend Wager here on Sports Radio. 92.9thegame, 92.9thegame.com, and that Odyssey app. We'll talk to you next week. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.